You're listening to Something Real, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life. Sorry for the late episode this week, but I hope you guys still enjoy it. We are in Luke chapter 17, and uh, this is a pretty uh, well-known story here, a little section of of Luke here. But I know for me personally, uh, learning more about it this week kind of uh, gave me a different take on it. I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Uh, If you haven't listened to Sunday's sermon already, I highly recommend going back and listening to that first so you can be an even bigger part of the discussion. As always, if you do have any questions about this or any other episode or anything we talk about in the future, feel free to leave us a message here uh, on the podcast. If you're using the Anchor app, you can leave us a voicemail message, which is really cool. Or you can email us at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org. Enjoy the episode. Hello. Hello. Good morning. We are recording. And <laughs> we're a little late this week, so I'm a little off. Don't pretend that that's your Bible page. It's not. <laughs> Bible page sounds like this. Right. Paper sounds like that. It's that's, heavier. That's the key sound for you. Yeah. So we're recording a little later than usual this week, so thank you for your uh, patience as we are probably going to get this up later than usual. Um, But we are going to talk about what we talked about on Sunday. So do you want to get us started off with that? I do so much want to get us. Luke 17. Yes, I do. So as we've been um, working through Luke, we're getting to a place where now the scene shifts. Uh, We're moving ultimately toward the Passion Week. And at the end of the book, the last several chapters are dealing with that. And we'll see the, the culmination of things at the cross. And then we get the resurrection. And here in in chapter 17, uh, we're, we come to the end of what has been a discussion um, ostensibly at a Pharisee's house. That's where it began, whether it took place other places or not. It, it's packaged in Luke as one big conversation that all the concepts tie in. And so then we get to this, what appears to be like a standalone story of the healing of these 10 lepers, a parable that most everybody's familiar with. 10 lepers healed, uh, nine of them go... Not leopards. Not leopards. They kept their spots, but they they go, you know, leaping and jumping and praising God. And they go back to, um, to the priest to show to show him their healing and be confirmed that way. Uh, but only one of them stays to uh, to praise the Lord. He starts to go to the priest, realizes he's being healed, comes back and says, Jesus, thank you, falls on his feet uh, before him. And um, so it just seems like a weird place for it. It, it mm-hmm. kind of stands alone because we have this whole conversation and teaching. Then this happens, and then Jesus is talking about the, the coming kingdom. Well... Why? Why is that in there? And one of the things that we can see is Luke places it here as sort of a summary. It's a, it's a marker that we're transitioning uh, scenes, and he, he's been doing that quite often. We'll see a, a healing on the Sabbath and then a new section, healing on the Sabbath and a new section. Well, here it kind of wraps that all up with this, not a parable, but an actual story of this healing, not on the Sabbath, not in the synagogue. He's on his way to Jerusalem, and, and there's a time gap between uh, 1710 and 1711 where a number of events take place, including uh, the healing of, of Lazarus, as we see mm-hmm. in, in the book of John. Uh, but now this, this story sort of encapsulates all of the 
God values, all the divine values and priorities, the, the kingdom agenda that, that Jesus has been teaching them about, talking mm-hmm. about, mm-hmm. we see it actually summarized and encapsulated in what Jesus does in this particular story as he sees these outsiders and he heals them. And um, he, you know, even, even something like the reference uh, in, what is it, 17.1-ish? Yeah, talking about um, God's word being eternal, that it doesn't change. Uh, where am I at here? No, that's back in, in 16, talking about uh, the law and the prophets. In 16, 16, uh, law and the prophets were proclaimed. Verse 17, uh, it's earlier for, easier, not earlier, easier for heaven and earth to disappear than for the least stroke of a pen to drop out of the law. Well, here now in, in 17, 11, with, with the story of the lepers, He's referring back to the Levitical law and sending them back to the priest. So there's this mm-hmm. constant connection of everything that he's been teaching actually being played out now in real life. And, uh, and there's this weird comment that Jesus makes that, that I never really, I don't know that I ever thought of it as weird over the years as I'm hearing this story because I always just heard this as a gratitude story. You know, only one of them was thankful and we all need to be thankful. But in verse 19, after this all goes on, he says to the one who came back, rise and go, your faith has made you well. There's no reference anywhere here to him being thankful. There's no reference to um, the concept of gratitude. He commends him for his faith. But all 10 of them had the same faith to bring about the physical healing. They, they all, wouldn't have gone. The right. They, Jesus said it. They did it. That's the demonstration of faith. As they were going, that's a, a really key um, a key line in verse 16, as they went, they were cleansed. So are you picturing them just walking along to the to the priest, and as they're walking, are they just... Oh, you know, the, look at your arm. Whoa. Right, yeah. I, Whoa. I, I, I'm picturing <laughs> Bill the, and Ted the, moment. Yeah, the CGI special effects of right. the movie world, and, and it just, I'm watching it disappear. You know, fast forward the healing. I, I don't know how that looked. Right, or, what, or if what, it was just in an instant. Right, or what, yeah. but... So, suddenly, I mean, it doesn't really matter, without Jesus touching them, right. so it's not that. They didn't have a big... One of the things that we can, can observe in Scripture about the healings that Jesus does is there's no pattern. Right. It's not like he does it the same way every has time. has some ritual to go through. It has to do with his authority right. as the Son of God. Right. So when he you know heals somebody in, in one situation on the Sabbath, that might not be the same way he does it the next Sabbath or on Tuesday. It... It's based on who he is and his authority over all things. And do you think there's a reason for that too? That it is not the same to just show. I think for sure there's right. a reason for everything, and, well, and, I, and I think you're right that part of that reason. I don't need to have some big show. I don't need to have yeah, you know a specific thing I do each time. He doesn't want us to get trapped in right, ritualism. Right. He doesn't, and and we do that. That's our tendency. He doesn't want us to to see it and, and find that magic formula mm-hmm. that. If we do it this way, we do that all the time. That's right. a big part of whether it's prosperity teaching or, or Catholic exorcisms or whatever else. We we have so many different things in religious I world. Linda Blair in my head. Well, you know, <laughs> we, well, we do that. I mean, right. that's what we do right. with all these movies that people make or novels that people write. You take the ritual, you know, even vampires and holy water and crosses and garlic. stuff. Garlic. All, all of these things. I do right. like, I do like garlic. But with all of these things, we focus on the external, right. Right. and it's really the internal. And and beyond that internal thing inside of us, it's 
external beyond our our actions to Christ himself, the, the ultimate objective reality, his authority is what matters. And so when they go to the priest, they're demonstrating faith. It doesn't matter what their feelings are. And, and right. we've talked about this a couple of times on the podcast and, and a lot of times off, off the podcast. It's so easy for us to get caught up in the feelings of salvation or the feelings of faith. And, and if I don't feel the right way, if I don't have the emotions, then I must not have faith or I must not be saved. Be saved. You know, I, I remember a friend and I, you know, he had, we'd been friends for a long time and he was really wrestling, having nightmares. You know, I, I've never had this big emotional rush, this mountaintop experience I keep hearing people talk about. I don't think I'm saved. Well, so we had to sit down and, and, and take some time to walk through what does it actually mean to be a Christian, to be born again? What is the Seems Bible? like a big question. Well, it is. It, obviously, <laughs> it's a huge thing. And it's one that we don't talk about enough. Right. And so because we don't talk about it enough, we get it wrong. And people end up trapped in religion, trapped in emotion, trapped in feelings, that's not the picture that we have. We Feelings it, will follow right. our actions, but they're not good drivers. We get it wrong, and then we become a picture of that wrongness to the rest of the world, and that's not attracting people to Christ. Uh, that's a very valid point. And <laughs> again, that's uh, that's, that's a, part of the stain of right. whether it's a particular movement, you know, right. or, or whatever. It, it's there's a basic prosperity kind of teaching that has been around much longer than the 20th century has been around since the beginning that that teaches us that when God has when he expresses his favor it's in a temporal way mm-hmm. if we don't do the right things then you know we're not going to get the right blessings and if we believe hard enough if we have enough faith then God will move but that's not the picture that we actually get here and and this little vignette is a pretty good example of that Jesus had just talked about it um earlier in this same chapter when the apostles said, Lord, increase our faith Mm -hmm. uh, because he's commanding them to forgive. And they're like, forgiveness is hard. I don't think I can do that. Increase our faith. And he basically says, that's not the point. If you got faith as small as a mustard seed, amazing, unbelievable things that you can't even imagine can take place. It's not the amount of your faith. It's the object of your faith because your faith isn't going to do that. I'm going to do that. Are you going to trust in me? And then here he says, your faith has made you well. But your faith didn't actually make you well in that literal sense, the way we might often take that. It's not faith in faith, not the fact that you believe. Because he didn't have... It's not a positive thinking thing. We don't know if he had more faith than any of the other nine guys that walked out there. Based on what we see from a temporal perspective, just an earthly, physical, leprosy healing, it appears that he did not. Because... Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests. They all all take him at his word, and they went, and all of them were cleansed. Jesus emphasizes that in his rhetorical question, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? The point being, all of them were cleansed. Mm -hmm. So all of them had had whatever faith was required for that to happen. They trusted Jesus enough to get the fix, but they were still seeing him as the fixer, not seeing him as the Messiah is the son of God. This guy recognized him differently. And so and he came back and expressed not just gratitude to him, but he came back praising God in a loud voice, 
threw himself at Jesus' feet, this is an act of worship, and thanked him. And he wasn't even Jewish. He was the, the enemy of the Jews as a Samaritan. So, I mean, imagine like an Iraqi Muslim coming and throwing himself at the feet of Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's kind of that, that kind of an idea. Um, there's a hatred between them and the Jews. And the only thing that has him together with these Jews is their misery, this right. leprosy. That's the only separation for them. But now the separation is this distinction of his faith. Jesus didn't say, you know, rise and go. Your gratitude has made you well. Your gratitude is appreciated because you appreciated me and bless you, my child, kind of thing. Your faith has made you well. So it can't mean, it can mean a lot of things. It cannot mean that your faith has healed you from your leprosy because of your faith in a the, distinction. The departments of redundancy department. <laughs> and, and, and we get that thought though. I mean, right. we, we believe in belief. We, we love love. We, you know, we have, we, if we just have faith, it's Christian jargon that really is deceptive. And we, we put it on bumper stickers and all over the place, have faith, have faith, which is why so many unbelievers who don't have faith have all these faith, Shirts, you know, I see people walking around with faith, hope, and love T-shirts, who don't know anything about what that means that in the scripture. Feed me tacos and tell me I'm <laughs> Very much, yeah. And so Jesus is saying this to him: Your faith in me, your trust of me, your focus here on me, has made you well in a different way than the others. That that word can also be translated saved, more literally saved. But but this idea of making you well, it's not just taking away your physical leprosy because you've turned to me it's taken away your spiritual leprosy mm -hmm. now your your whole being has changed it's not just a matter of having your physical part restored but now you receive life real life kingdom life which is always the focus of what jesus has so can we assume that's the difference between this guy and the other nine or is there is there really no difference? I think it's pretty tough to escape that. The there there is a clear difference because oh, the there's, yeah, there's one and right, nine. Right. There is a clear difference because Jesus specifies there's something different between you and them. Where are they? You're here. Right. Uh, and and he doesn't give us any more insight to the conversation. Does the guy answer him? Does he just throw it out there rhetorically? Um, and, and his focus is not on the gratitude part because he says in 18, has no one returned to give praise to God mm -hmm. except this foreigner. So he's saying this sort of a, a, from a third person sort of perspective, clearly not just talking to the guy, but talking to those around. There's always somebody around Jesus. He's talking to the group. You need to see this point. Point being the faith is more than the faith. The faith is more than your healing, your fix, your moment to change your circumstances. It's recognizing who did that. Right. And, you know, and, and for us, we have a lot of this prosperity kind of mentality. Mm -hmm. We pray for God to change our circumstances. But what we need is for God to change us, to make us more right. submissive to his will. Right. To say, you know what? I don't even care if you heal me from the, from the leprosy. You're God. I don't care if you change my circumstances. And, you know, we've, we talk a lot about the circumstances of life that, that we'd really like to see changed. They ain't great. And, and there's a lot of, you know, that's, that's really the focus of most of our prayers, isn't it? Most of the time as, as 
you know, American Christians in our day, we spend our time praying, heal me from the sickness, mm -hmm. fix my finances, take care of my friends, mm -hmm. protect my child, all these different things, uh, fix my relationship. But we don't spend nearly as much time fasting and praying and on our face in humility saying, Lord, break me, shape me, break my heart, make me different. I want to be fully, completely, wholly yours. And we see that in the Psalms. So David it starts out in a lot of the Psalms praying, God, where are you? How long, Lord, will you let this happen? How long will my enemies overtake me? Change my circumstances, Lord. And by about halfway through each of those Psalms, we start to see a shift in his mentality. And by the time he gets to the end, he's praising God. He's completely flipped. But somewhere in there, he goes from, Lord, change my circumstances to, Lord, change my heart. Make me different. And that whole... You know, I, I love Psalm 19. It's one of my favorite psalms. Psalm 51 is another one that I've spent way too much time in in my life and praying for God's forgiveness. But, but Psalm 19 goes from seeing the beauty of God in the world, the, the amazing, glorious sunsets and the crashing oceans and the majestic purple mountains majesties as, as we see all these things, and, and seeing God in nature, and it's awesome. And then almost immediately transitions to God's word, mm -hmm. even more awesome. So we see God revealed in creation, but more specifically revealed in the revelation of his word. And then that drives David to cleanse me, search me, know me, change me, keep me from willful sins. I don't want to be that guy who sees the right and does the wrong, like Paul says in, in Romans 7. Lord, this is about you. And it changes the whole focus. This guy's focus is no longer on himself. He's right, on his face right, before right, Jesus. Right. And it's not even about the leprosy. It's about, oh my gosh, I just realized. You're not just the fixer. You're not the great physician. You're the great everything. You are the son of God. Very much like the woman at the well when Jesus interacts with her and calls her on her sin. I mean, that's one of the things that, you know, we've been talking about a lot here recently is we're so consumed in church world these days in, in America in 2019 with trying to make things palatable. We want people to feel better. Joel Osteen said, I don't think people need to get beat down. They I don't need I don't really talk about sin because you know people get beat down enough. Really? We're telling everybody there's no such thing as sin. Whatever happened to sin? There are no rules. And so when we look at not and I'm not trying to call him out right. personally, but he said it. So if he's saying it that that and he's got a big is, old following and it's just plain wrong right so we have to get to a place where we recognize that that it's bigger than this this leper had a real problem but once he realized my problem wasn't the problem i thought because i have this healed i still have sin right. i'm still going to hell right. <clears throat> now i don't know all the in individual details of what he was thinking. Well, I just know what we have in the text here. But clearly his perspective shifted. And we all need to shift our perspective as well to get to a place where it's no longer about getting the healing, getting the fixing, but it's about the one who does the healing. In fact, that was our core reality on Sunday, that the purpose of our healing is the glory of the healer. Every time Jesus does one of these miraculous things, it's not just for that temporal moment. Mm -hmm. If that was the goal, he could, you know, do a you know reverse Thanos snap and make everything perfect in the world. God could remove sin like that right. if that were that simple. But there's more to it. 
He could take away the curse of sin and just say, okay, everybody's a pass. You were done. He could, you know, Jesus could have healed every single person. Well, he could have prevented it from entering the world to begin with. Absolutely could have, but he didn't. Right. So this has been his plan from the beginning. Jesus is the lamb slain from before the foundation of the world. I think the importance of this, when, when you read this and, and when, you, when you hear the story, you know, initially, I certainly have always thought of it this way, as a story of gratitude, what, the importance of right. gratitude, the importance of thanking people and, and God for, you know, everything. Which and is that, important. Right. And that's clearly a piece of it. Right. It's, it, but it's as a we've, supporting But as we've gotten into that and, and the, you know, the, the reality that you just, the core reality that you just mentioned... If we were to do that, if that was the sole focus of this or, or anything else, then we would pray for those things. And every time something good did happen and our life was okay for a while, I think that leads us, and I'm guilty of this, when everything is going great in my life, I am not on my knees as much. Yeah. I am not in my Bible as much. Yeah, I am, you know, but when something goes wrong, I'm... I'm on my face. Yeah. I'm, 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 you know, please God, what's going on? Da, 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 da. So if he was just here to, you know, okay, you're fixed. Okay. That's fixed. Okay. Life is great. Then what drive as sad as it is. And as much as I hate to admit this about myself, I feel like we, we'd have less of a drive to seek him. Well, and, one and that's day, sad. And one it makes you feel horribly guilty. One day at the, end of days the coming of the kingdom in its fullness and its in its actualized presence here then all of the bad things will go away right. and we'll have a full understanding and we won't be we won't be lazy with our praise right so that day is coming in the meantime because of our corrupted natures we do exactly what you just said when things get easy when things are good we become complacent mm -hmm. and that's not just on an individual level which it's huge on an individual level but looking at a at a societal level mm -hmm. at a church level from if you go back to constantine so you got the church being persecuted in rome um, and you know there are the outsiders and the church is growing like crazy constantine makes it not only acceptable but makes it the state church and it's not long from that before things become corrupt and right. fat and lazy and wealthy. And that never goes well. Persecution causes the church to grow. That is a, a sort of a counterintuitive reality that has been proven historically everywhere. It, it's easy to be a Christian in America. And so we're not good at it. We become lazy. We don't study. We have more access to the scriptures than ever before any time on the planet, including the Bible times. They didn't have what we have. We have such an advantage, but we don't take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. I've got a hundred some translations of the Bible on my phone mm -hmm. in my pocket, mm -hmm. actually leaning against the desk right now, but normally in my pocket. Right. I've got That you some, have it at a moment's notice. I've got the entire internet. Right. I can look up, I can do study, and, and I do this. I'll be sitting waiting for my daughter at, at uh, her dance class, and I'm sitting in the parking lot in this little computer in my hand that's more powerful than any computer I ever owned up till now, and I can access the entire world of information mm -hmm. more than people have ever had before, mm -hmm. and yet we are perhaps the most biblically illiterate society in the history of Christendom. Well, I shouldn't say in Christendom, since the Reformation. So that, that 
is so hard for us to, to, to change. When things go well, we become complacent, we become lazy. And yeah. it takes pain for us to change our perspective. And, and, you know, we've talked about this a lot. I've said it, you know, unfortunately, I had to learn it the hard way. But it's, I wish I could learn it an easy way, but I only learn things the hard way, which is the point. We only grow through suffering. Mm-hmm. There is no maturity without pain. We don't ever have that. So a child that never suffers never grows, never learns to develop any kind of maturity. We don't learn to persevere. And we're dealing with an entire generation, several generations but, you know, of people who don't know how to suffer. Things get hard, we run. And they can't, just can't handle it can't handle it at all relationships get hard we run my boss criticized me i quit you know i don't know how i'm going to function i can't deal with it we have drill instructors you know having to have sensitivity training now because this is the world we live in we want it to be easy not even i don't even know if want is the right word that that implies some sort of consciousness we're just so soft and we work so hard at avoiding pain and offense i mean the the word offensive is so big in our society it's right offensive. now. It is offensive. <laughs> and so as long as you you know throw out the right jargon, nobody can say anything. You're untouchable. That's not how real life works. And so we see in this story that the leprosy is what caused them to, to actually seek Jesus in the first place. If they didn't have the they leprosy, if they weren't suffering... They're just normal dudes with no affliction. Then Right. It's the suffering that led them to Jesus the healer. The problem for the nine was they only saw Jesus the healer. They only saw him as the fixer. They weren't seeking him. They were seeking the blessing, mm-hmm. not the blesser. They were seeking the gift, not the giver. But but you know one of the points that we talked about on Sunday is that our deepest darkness drives us to the light of life. Jesus is the light of life. It's bigger than, I'm going to fix your situation. There is life and light in the midst of the darkness, and it's him. And we need to run to him. And only if we recognize the darkness are we going to do that. And that's kind of what I'm saying. You know, in those those deep valleys, if you want to call them that, that is, personally for me, I know, when I tend to seek him out more than ever. Yeah. But then I feel guilty about that because I'm like, I should be <clears throat> just singing in praise constantly. And I'm not when things are going well. Your guilt is justified. You should be. <laughs> but that's the case for all of us. Right. It is. We should be rightly like, feeling smokes, guilty about I took that. another breath. Thank you. Right. You know, whatever. Absolutely. That's exactly where we should be. And when we suffer enough, we begin to appreciate things more. You know, I, I think of stories yeah, that I, yeah. Mother Teresa talked about at, at her time in what was in Calcutta. And when you look at somebody whose situation is so much worse than yours mm-hmm. and you become grateful sure. for the I become grateful for the misery that I have or you've gotten you know. out of a situ a horrible situation yeah. you know yeah my mom says I'm gonna call my mom out she but then we immediately forget it right to, right she said you know a, a time in her life uh, now she looks back on it and she goes I didn't think about it at the time but there is no way that I could have gotten through that on my own. And I think back now and I realize God carried me through that. Right, yeah. And now I can look at that from a different perspective and realize that more. So I'll, since you called your mama, I'll call you out too as well. <laughs> but but not, too, not too long ago, just recently, we were, we were praying for a situation that was overwhelmingly stressful to you on Saturday. And through details that aren't necessary to the podcast, God granted a reprieve to you on that Saturday. Yes. And then by Monday, you were stressed out again. Right. Because. Right. 
what he changed, but no, but, no, but, but we do that. We yeah. do that all the time, and so, and it's not you. I'm using your example because you okay. know it just seems fair since okay. you threw your mom out there. Sorry. But you know, she's not watching. So. And, and you did use your mom in a very positive example, <laughs> so that's good. She'll she'll be happy about that. But the fact of the matter is, if we if we lose perspective on that, and, and remember, if we don't remember that he's the same God on the bad days as he is right, on the good days. Right, he's not just saying, eh, to you today, and okay, I'll do this for uh, you today, and blah, blah, you know, yeah. I, I took a picture the other day uh, when it was super cloudy, and uh, I, I, I showed it to my mom. I tried to send it to you and your mom and your sister, and it, it, it didn't go through for whatever Oh, is reason. that what you were trying to yeah, say? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I will again when I sit down, but, you know, anyhow. The, um, the reality of God showed up in this illustration. Mm-hmm. I'm driving down the road, super cloudy everywhere. That's... That's all there is. It's been raining a lot. And then, however many miles and miles away, off in the distance, there's this bright shaft of light coming through the clouds over there. My situation hasn't changed. It's still gloomy and cloudy mm. here. But in that moment, I had this little reminder that he's the same God here as he is there. The sun hasn't a, a changed. A hundred yards away. <laughs> the, the sun hasn't changed yeah. because of the clouds. The clouds block my view of the sun, but if I can get above the clouds, I can see the sun. If I can remember that the sun is still there, even though I'm temporarily blocked from it, then then I can have perspective that is actually in line with truth and reality. God's breaking through for somebody way over there, miles and miles away, not changing my reality. It's not breaking through here for me, but that breakthrough for them was a little reminder that, God's always the same, and he never changes. Now, remembering that's the challenge. That's the more difficult. Right, especially when you're in those low points. Right. But those low points do drive us to him, and that's where when we talk about faith, we get caught up in the feelings of it. Right. It's cloudy, so obviously everything is bad. You know, the life is falling apart. But the sun hasn't changed. We need to focus our attention for our faith on the doing, on the obedience. Not fake it till you make it but recognizing what is real rather than what seems real. Even if your feelings are trying to argue with you about that. Absolutely. And feelings are just notoriously untrustworthy. Mm-hmm. They're going to tell me things, but they're not always going to tell me true things. Right. And so when I feel like God isn't answering my prayer, that doesn't mean God's not answering my prayer. It means my feelings, which are inherently immature, all feelings tend to be that, they are telling me something that is contrary to what actually is really happening. Right. We don't know whether these guys felt healed or not. We right. know that they did what Jesus said. The end. And therefore demonstrated faith, right. which led to their healing. So apart from that, then we really have, <laughs> we can't say we have faith if it's based on our feelings because that's the opposite concept. Faith is trusting what I don't see. Right. Well, if I feel it, that's essentially I'm seeing it. I, right. I see, oh yeah, God's good. I feel so in love with God on Sunday morning. We're singing these great songs and great are you, Lord. And wow, awesome. That's not faith. Mm-hmm. I, I get to actually feel and see and perceive his presence here. Faith comes on Tuesday night when the world is falling apart. And I choose then to believe what is true, mm-hmm. even when I'm not feeling it. I think that's a good place to stop. Thank it better you. because we're over time. We are over time. Thank you guys for listening. We will catch you next week. Hopefully on time this time.